Welcome to From City to the World. I'm your host, Vince Boudreau, the president of the City College of New York. From City to the World is a show about how the work we're doing at City College matters to people across the city and throughout the world. We'll discuss the practical application of our research in solving real-world issues like poverty, homelessness, mental health challenges, affordable housing and disparities in health care and immigration. Today we're going to be talking about uh, the history of film at City College, um, how it started, what it's done, what our brand has been, and some of the exciting things that are happening today on campus. Documentary films provide a lens for us to look at these real-world issues, and City College started the first documentary film school in the United States in 1941. Prior to that, in the mid-1930s, there was a student organization at City College called the Film and Sprocket Society, which ran a course and produced a film series. And what's interesting about those origins is that acclaimed Hollywood filmmakers like Bernard Gordon, Abraham Polanski, and Julian Zimmett were members of the Film and Sprockets Society. And that provided a foundation uh, for a decade later in 1941 when City College alum Irving Jacobi started the Institute of Film Techniques at City College. From 1941 to 1957, German-born Hans Richter directed CCNY's film department after he had been forced from Europe in 1940s by the Nazis. Richter exposed students to documentary, experimental, and European films. He also taught them to examine world issues with a critical eye, and so we're going to spend a little bit of our time talking about his imprint on those early days of film at CCNY. In recent years, the BFA in film and video and the MFA program in film majors have kept CCNY's lofty film tradition going. The college has garnered seven student Oscars recently, three student Emmy Awards, CCNY also has had three Sundance film selections and a Cannes Film Festival selection. Harlemite Stanley Nelson is a CCNY graduate from City College's film school. He graduated in 1976 and is the contemporary director of civil rights documentaries such as Freedom Summer and Black Panthers. I'm excited to talk to him. Uh, he, uh, one of his real achievements is he did a documentary on Emmett Till that reopened the Justice Department's investigation of that case. And you'll hear my conversation with Stanley Nelson, which we recorded yesterday on the second half of the show. Um, in recent years, students in the BFA in film and video and the MFA program in film have uh, uh, received seven Oscars, as I said earlier. And so we wanted to talk with two faculty members who are um, deeply involved in our film program. We have Professor Jerry Carlson, who directs the Cinema Studies program in the Department of Media and Communication Arts here at City College. He specializes in narrative theory, global independent film, and cinemas of French and Spanish-speaking peoples. He's lectured in France, Spain, Mexico, Colombia, and Argentina. In addition, Professor Carlson is an active producer, director, and writer with multiple Emmy Awards. For over 25 years, he's curated, produced, and hosted the television series Cine Cinematique, a co-production of City College and CUNY TV that explores global film history. And that series now boasts more than 500 episodes. He's an independent uh, producer, and his work includes Showtime Network's production of Dirt, directed by Nancy Savoca, and Looking for Paladin, directed by CCNY professor Andrzej Krakowski. His current research focuses on how slavery and its legacy in the New World have been represented in film, literature, and music. Professor Carlson, welcome to From City to the World. Great to be here, Vince. 
We also have Professor Dave Davidson uh, with us today. He's the founding director of CCNY's MFA in Media Arts Production. He served in that capacity from 1997 to 2015. During that tenure, students in the program garnered three Student Academy Awards and four Student Emmys. His documentary credits include A Place Out of Time, The Bordentown School, narrated by actress and civil rights activist, uh, the late Ruby Dee. The documentary is about Bordentown School, an elite all-black school that flourished for 70 years during the Jim Crow era and was abruptly closed in 1955, a victim of the rush to integration. Professor Davidson has also co-produced and directed uh, and been the director of photography on Michael Feinstein's American Songbook, a nine-part PBS series. American Songbook featured iconic figures like Liza Minnelli, Stephen Sondheim, and Angela Lansbury. In 2012, Professor Davidson received an NEA Artworks grant to produce Restoring Richter, a multi-platform media project that brings together contemporary composers to create new scores for Hans Richter's breath breakthrough avant-garde films of the 1920s. Uh, Professor Davidson's film, Cinema and Sanctuary, about Hans Richter and the Film Institute at CCNY, will be screened at the Walter Reed Theater in Lincoln Center on June 20th, 2019. Professor Davidson, welcome to From City to the World. I'm delighted to be here. Um, so I've declared 2019 this year as the year of film at CCNY to celebrate Hans Richter and his legacy, uh, the legacy of CCNY is the oldest continuous film program in the USA. Um, and, uh, you know, your film, Cinema and Sanctuary, is going to be a big part of that. We're looking forward to the June 20th debut of that film. But I really have both of you, Professor Carlson and Professor Davidson here, to talk about the year of film um, at CCNY. So, Professor Davidson, let me start with you. I first learned of the history of film at CCNY and the political origins of that program in a small segment of a film that you were making about Hans Richter, the one we referenced earlier. There was this nice 10-minute section of the film that really described how Richter came to CCNY, um, what he brought with him, and, and, and what motivated the founding of the film program at CCNY. Um, could you tell us about the origins of it and... and and what it means to you now as a member of that of the same institution. I was actually first exposed to Hans Richter when I was an undergraduate many, many years ago mm. at the University of Illinois, and I seized on those remarkable images of bowler hats flying through the air and the general anarchy of all of the, the work, and it was very much connected to um, the thought and art in the 1960s. So when I finally came to... City College in the mid-80s and discovered that uh, Hans Richter had taught here and there was a such thing as the, the Film Institute, I felt like I was treading on sacred ground and immediately set about researching that unknown history as far as I was concerned in the history of film, history of film education, um, and it's been uh, quite a journey ever, ever since then. But it started out when I found out about the Film Institute that I knew that although Richter had passed in 1976, there were a trove of people who went through that institution. I mean, there were about 3,000 people over, over its uh, meteoric 25-year career who went through there, and I tried to track down as many as I could, and only then did I realize uh, realized the importance of the institute and the profound impact that Hans Richter had. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us the story of, of, of how he came here and... and 
and why the Institute was started? Sure. Um, the Institute was begun right before Hans Richter uh, was um, escaped from Germany, literally, with the Nazi SS on his heels. Um, he had been a radical uh, Dadaist and uh, a real champion of uh, free expression in the arts for many years. Um, of course, none of this made him um, uh, friends of, of the Nazi party, so he was on the lam for quite a number of years. And um, uh, while this was going on, uh, Irving Jacoby in New York who was a graduate of City College, realized that the dark clouds were forming in terms of um, fascism and, uh, and felt that the United States was really behind in terms of using film as a propaganda and informational tool. So thus began the beginnings of the, of the Institute itself in planning. Richter arrives in late 1941 also, the Japanese arrive in Pearl Harbor in late 1941. So there's, there's this confluence where um, uh, there was this need. Suddenly, the need was exponential in order for us to be making uh, films about the war effort um, and um, training films and this sort of thing. So Jacoby was the uh, director of the Institute initial, initially, but he was called to the Office of War Information within a year or so. And um, Richter... Uh, was selected by him to become the next director. And that launches a 17-year uh, year, uh, amazing run uh, with Richter at the helm. Mm -hmm. and one of the remarkable things about the Institute of Film Techniques uh, is the number of truly foundational film industry people who are educated in it. And so maybe tell us a little bit about these folks, but, but what is it that you think made the program such a magnet for these, these young students? Well, originally it was supply and demand. Yeah. There literally was no film school of this kind. Certainly on the, on the East Coast, there, are, there were uh, spots of institutions playing around with you know, showing film, uh, running film courses, but they tended to lean not towards production, but but uh, towards the study of film as a possible art form, uh -huh. that sort of thing. So the hands-on aspects were not there. And um, you've got, in New York, um, City College performing its historical function of bringing working-class kids upward. Uh, and th these, uh, these kids grew up on Hollywood film. Yeah. And so they had a love for it, but had no idea that you could actually study film. And then Richter opened up this door to them to a tradition of European art film, of documentary, and most shocking of all, I think, to a generation of kids who were brought up on Hollywood film, experimental film. So once the word was out and the fact that Richter's personality was really the nucleus of this groundbreaking institution, they flocked. Yeah. And as, as students, they got to actually work side by side with Richter on films. He would bring them out into the field and, 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 and give them that experience. Absolutely. He, he, even when he came here with a slight delay while he got his feet on the ground and learned English, <laughs> he, he, he managed to jump right back into filmmaking. And uh, he was happy to bring students on as interns, and we cover, we cover that in, in the film, uh, so that it was a completely 
new experience for them, not only working side by side with Richter, but rubbing elbows with the likes of Marcel Duchamp, Alexander Calder, mm-hmm. Jacqueline Matisse. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they were they were uh, taken to another planet. Yeah. yeah. You are listening to From City to the World on WHCR 90.3 FM in New York. I'm your host, Vince Boudreau, the president of City College. My guests today are two professors from the CCNY Film Department, Jerry Carlson and Dave Davidson. Um, We're discussing the history of the film department here at City College, Professor Davidson's film, Cinema and Sanctuary, about Hans Richter and the Film Institute at CCNY will be screened at the Walter Reed Theater and Lincoln Center on June 20th, 2019. Professor Davidson, in what ways do you think the origins of the program um, continue to influence the study of film at City College, or maybe it's not the origins, maybe it's the tradition into which the study of film got got inserted. Hans Richter was not a traditional educator. He really taught with his personality, and he instilled a love for film as an art form, Mm -hmm. as something that you invest in as an art form. And now we call that independent filmmaking. And we, we are in a, a renaissance right now uh, because of the digital revolution, but also a tradition of independent filmmaking, um, some of whose roots go exactly into Hans Richter and his, his peers. So there's a direct line to what we do in our programs today, how we teach in terms of independent spirit, being able to use accessible, uh, thankfully, state-of-the-art equipment now to be able to tell stories that are authentic, that come from um, the experiences of our students. Mm -hmm. And we're training the next generation of visual storytellers that we hope will make an impact on the the world. We need it now. Yeah. No, we sure do. Um, Professor Carlson, let's... uh Let's talk a little bit about... Now, you are the chair of the Media and Communication Arts yes, Department, <laughs> which includes film, but also a, a range of other, of other programs. So I'd like to take a step back from the film program sure. and look more broadly at the relationship between CCNY and Media and Communication Arts. Um, what has the impact of our program been on, on that industry? Uh, almost immeasurable, you, you can say, and both in terms of the city, nationally and internationally, uh, because the mass media in the 20th century grew and grew in importance. It needed people, and it needed people uh, who had simply to, to fill the ranks, once again, supply and demand, um, but it was changing very rapidly. So who's better qualified than people who are themselves socially mobile. They're the first generation in their family to have gone to college. They are following the American dream, but in this incredibly adaptive, forward way, because that's what we're trying to do with our students. So that's why you have people who rise and go through journalism and advertising and public relations. These are rapidly changing communications industries that are, you know, um, uh, adapting themselves forward for the changes in American society. So we've always produced uh, cohorts of students who had that particular energy and that particular vision. 
And one, one must say that as uh, America in its better chapters has become more inclusive, these were industries in which, well, we need to be more inclusive. How do you do that? Well, you have to have people who understand those communities. Now, as we all know, that's a rather mixed picture in terms of the overall industry. That's why we have the Me Too you know, mm-hmm. uh, r- relationship. But we've always been on the side of, yes, you need different people. Guess what? We're the, we're the college that educates the whole of America, the whole population. We have everybody, and we can, those people are curious, whether whether it be writing advertising, whether it be investigating journalism, or whether it be making films. Yeah. I want to ask both of you uh, kind of the same question, but about different areas of your work. One of the ways you measure uh, contribution impact is to talk about the people that have come through the program and made a mark. So, Professor Davidson, let me start with you. Going back to the early days of Hans Richter, who who do we count as 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 the the people in the film industry who who carry the City College banner forward? And then Professor Carlson, I'd like after that for you to look a little bit beyond sure. film and, and and talk about something similar. There are really two strains of of folks who came out of City College who have had an influence in film, in terms of mainstream. Filmmaking yeah. Yeah. and also e- experimental filmmaking, which was so strong with with Hans Richter. Um, I can think of some folks we worked with on the film. For instance, uh, Martin Starger, who was the former uh, uh, head of ABC Entertainment, and when dis- when he was there, decided he wanted to move to to film. And in order to e- expedite that, ABC gave him the executive producer role on uh, Robert Altman's Nashville. So that was a great start. Mm -hmm. And he went on to executive produce um, Sophie's Choice, Academy Award winner, et cetera, et cetera. Um, um, Michael Hertzberg, uh, who lives in L.A. now, and Starger moves back and forth. Um, But uh, Michael Hertzberg was um, the uh, producer of uh, a couple of Mel Brooks movies. Uh, He worked on Blazing Saddles. And also a silent movie. Uh, let's see. There, Alan Heim, who is an Academy Award-winning editor uh, for uh, Bob for- Bob Fosse's uh, All That Jazz, and he's been the head of the ACE, the American um, uh, Cinema Editors, and now he's he's still out there, still active, and is also the head of the editors' union. So there's kind of the the, the ledger on, on on one side, but also. Because of Hans Richter's international reputation, he was a magnet for people like Jonas Makis, um, the iconic, you know, one of the founders of the uh, New American Cinema Movement. Sadly, we lost him this year, but he was active right up to the end, founder of the anthology Film Archives. Um, And people like Shirley Clark, who was a groundbreaking experimental filmmaker, and we lost her all too soon. But you have these, these, these two what seemed to be polar opposites that were existing under the same roof um, uh, quite nicely. Yeah. And Hans Richter was the glue that really held them all together. Yeah. If we if we look past filmmaking to the broader media spectrum, uh, Professor Carlson, who are we talking about as, as City College products that are out there? 
Well, you're thinking you're talking, you're talking about I believe the Kalb brothers in, uh, in in journalism. There was a very important uh, journalism professor here, Irving Fallberg, for many many years, and he's really the person who, in a certain sense, uh, trained a whole set of people who would go out. Um, we have. Uh, 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 Sports writers for for the New York Times. We have a current one of the editors of the New York Times and uh, and and Man, Mancuso. Uh, so you have that whole range of 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 people, uh, and then you have those who have uh, been in the public relations and and advertising uh, advertising field, including the most recently the uh, uh, one of the, one of the very important women who has been. Um, a publicist for many of the major uh, people, and again, one of the things about us is that people go out and they're there's that they, they they love this place, but they're so busy doing things that um, in a certain sense, sometimes we've lost track of them. But but then that's one of the things I think we're now in a great mode of is that recovery of all of those uh, relations. Mm -hmm. You personally have won multiple Emmy awards for your work on the program. Uh, uh, Nuevo York. Right. Um, and I know that in, as you do this, you involve students in this endeavor. And I, I, I wonder to what extent having City College students work with you to, to produce a television show uh, influences the product. Well, it, it it tremendously influences the product. A little bit of just a just a win sentence or so about the origin of the show. As as anybody probably listening to the show uh, knows that we live in a multicultural city, but a but a city in which uh, one third of the people who live here speak Spanish in their homes. That corresponds to the demography of City College and of our university as a whole. So Nueva York is a magazine show uh, that uh, connects with all of the people who speak Spanish in the city of New York and their relations with all other Spanish-speaking communities around the world. So when the university made the decision to create the series for CUNY TV, um, I, as a longtime producer for City University Television, was charged with putting together a production team. And I said to them, I said, this is the easiest and most pleasant task I've ever had because in the last several years, I've had a set of extraordinarily gifted students, both uh, people who are uh, born in the United States but are bilingual families, as well as students who have come to study study here. So we have had on, on the one, um, you know, uh, Emmy Awards. We've had uh, students from Spain, Mexico, Guatemala, uh, Colum uh, um, uh, Col Colombia, uh, Mexico, if I did not uh, mention it. And their input in the show is the show. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are people who have come. We've, we've given them exactly what the tradition that Dave has been talking about. We've given the, them a, a, a great technical education, but also... Our notion is to enable them to speak with the voices that come from where they are living and what they are doing, to, to get at the things that a particular kind of news coverage will not get at. And that's not to criticize the way they're treating certain things. But there's so much more to be discovered and, uh, and, and treated. So I, I know it's a cliche, but the point, the point really is you bring in talented people like this and they keep teaching you about our great city and, and, and our nation through their, through their skills. Mm -hmm. Some of your more recent work focuses on the way that slavery has been represented in in the media and film and in literature. Um, as you look at that material, what have you seen? 
Ah, well, <laughs> what's, what's very interesting about that is that two of the most important films in American film history are very despicable films that have propagated mythologies that have probably harmed our historical imagination. I'm speaking of uh, The Birth of a Nation. Uh, I'm speaking of uh, um, Gone, Gone with the Wind. But to bring this back to our film program, when I teach film history, um, to our students, and we teach uh, The Birth of a Nation. The other film we teach is Oscar Micheaux's Within Our Gates, which is the 1919 response of the African-American community against the slander and lies of the birth of a nation. And we teach this as this is one of the foundational points of the American independent cinema. There has always been communities that were willing to find a way to use cinema to enable the voices of their community. And it goes back 100 years. You have a foundational text that is very problematic to be kind about the birth of a nation at, at best. And then you have a response. And for many years, that response was not paid attention to, you know, et cetera. But it's our job, myself as a film historian as well as producers, no. You show this and you say, you can be the Oscar Micheaux of today. You can speak back through the art of film and video in exactly these ways. We're putting together this uh, June 20th event as, as, uh, as a commemoration of, of the history of film at City College, but also a way of, of, of drawing back some, some focus into uh, the people that have come through uh, the program and what the contributions have, have been. And I, I wonder um, if, for the both of you, what, what can someone expect if they happen to find themselves at Lincoln Center on June 20th and they're lucky enough to have a, uh, a ticket for Cinema and Sanctuary? I think they're going to find a very surprising evening because this is um, a part of film history that has heretofore not been uh, shown. So they're going to see names. They're going to they're going to see fit the faces of people who have achieved in the industry, including Alan Heim, Martin Starger, uh, uh, folks like that, and uh, just learn this skein of of film history that's often it's it's often washed over by perhaps more high profile institutions mm -hmm. that we, which shall remain nameless today um, mm -hmm. but uh, the fact that there was this huge sort of upwelling of um, of uh, this, this confluence of working class kids Hollywood movie born and bred and this amazing alchemy that happened when they were thrown in the same room with an expat German artist who was one of the, um, the uh, original experimental filmmakers. That's story. Yeah. And I think that uh, rather than a dry re recounting of the eras through which we've come since 1941, they're going to uh, get some amazing an anecdotes that would, they would never get before, but also this uh, history of City College uh, adapted to this very specific story how we historically have taken um, groups of people who were ready to step up, who were ready to rise. And that group of working class kids in the 40s and 50s and the early 60s were ready for that leap, and Hans Richter was ready to be their mentor. 
So mark your calendars, everyone, on June 20th at uh, Lincoln Center. We've been talking to Professor Jerry Carlson and Professor Dave Davidson about the history of CCNY's film department and other media um, programs here at the college. Uh, CCNY graduate documentary filmmaker Stanley Nelson was planning to be in the studio with us today, but due to a scheduling conflict, he's unable to be with us live. But last night, uh, I had the opportunity to chat with him for a little bit. Stanley Nelson graduated from CCNY's film department in 1976. He's directed and produced documentaries about freedom writers, the civil rights movement, the Black Panthers, the Black Press, HBCUs, or Black colleges and universities, Marcus Garvey, and Madam C.J. Walker. In 2000, Mr. Nelson and his wife, Marcia A. Smith, founded Firelight Media, which is a nonprofit production company here in Harlem. Their mission is to use historical film to advance contemporary social justice causes, and they mentor, inspire, and train a new generation of diverse young filmmakers committed to advancing underrepresented stories. In 2003, uh, Mr. Nelson's film, The Murder of Emmett Till, about the brutal killing of a 14-year-old African-American boy in Mississippi in 1955, won a Sundance Special Jury Prize and helped prompt the U.S. Department of Justice to reopen that case. In 2018, Stanley directed the story of Access for Starbucks. It's a short film which examines the history and impact of racial profiling in public spaces. And the film was screened at a mandatory training for 175,000 Starbucks employees across 8,000 stores, and it received over a million views on the internet. This year, uh, Mr. Nelson released Boss, The Black Experience in Business on PBS. His latest film, Miles Davis, Birth of Cool, takes a definitive look at the life and career of the iconic jazz musician, and it premiered also at the Sundance Film Festival. Stanley Nelson is a MacArthur Genius Fellow. He was awarded an individual Peabody Award, the 2016 Lifetime Achievement Award from the National Academy of Television Arts Sciences, and an NAACP Image Award. He's also received the National Medal in the Humanities from President Barack Obama. Stanley Nelson, welcome to From City to the World. Uh, thank you so much. It's great to uh, be here with you. We're really privileged to have you on. Um, you know, one of the things that we're commemorating in our year of film this year is the activist origins of the CCNY uh, film school during World War II. Your own work, both in the subjects you choose and in the impact uh, your work has on the world, has a profoundly activist character. And I was wondering, how do you think about the relationship between your material and the changes you'd like to um, affect in the world? Well, I mean, I think that film is obviously a very, very powerful tool. You know, it's a tool uh, for information, um, but it's also a tool for social action. And um, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think that I've been very privileged to, to to make films and be able to make a series of films that um, you know I, I can stand wholeheartedly behind. But I but I also mm -hmm. feel that you know, given that opportunity, I want to make uh, films that that are about subjects that are really important to me. And so um, that's what I've, I've tried to do, um, because I, I think that, you know, I, I came up in a time where, you know, we didn't see people of color uh, in mm -hmm. films at all, you know, on mm -hmm. TV or in the movies. And so I think that one of the things that, I, that we're trying to do at Firelight, you know, is not only keep that change moving, but also to train another generation of, of filmmakers who feel that um, film is a really important tool We'll learn a lot about the mid-century origins of the CCNY Film School on June 20th and in, in Professor Davidson's film. 
but you attended City College during some turbulent times as well. And, and I wonder if, if you could tell us a little bit about your experience in the film department at City College, how, how 1976 and the years that led up to it um, figured into the education you received at City College. Yeah, I, I think that, that I went to City College, and, you know, I, I was a student there at a really special time, um, you know, for a number of reasons. One, um, I was in the second grade, second graduating class from the uh, Leonard Davis Center for the Performing Arts in film. So the film school had just started up um, again, kind of, you know, with this kind of reboot as part of the Leonard, Leonard Davis Center. Um, I had originally, I was, I was uh, just kind of taking classes in film. I was interested in film. I was just taking classes at Hunter College, and, and because there was no uh, real film school, and then somebody told me, well, you know, there's this, they've just started, or restarted the film school at City College, and kind of rebooted it, and I, I went up, up to City and applied and, and, and got in, but it was also this time of open admissions, where um, it was just this incredible uh Time at, at City, you know, I remember it as this wonderful time, you know, in this time of real energy, um, you know, at, at City. Other people remember it different, differently, but, you know, I, I'm one of those people who remember it as this just marvelous, marvelous time where, you know, um, the City University system said that if you graduated from a city high school, a public city high school, then you should be able to go to college somehow, some way, you know, be it a, a community college or, or, you know, city or Brooklyn or, or Hunter or wherever, but you should be able to, to go to college. And if you weren't, then, you know, you could take remedial classes to kind of get up to, to snuff. Um, but, you know, it was really a, an exciting, exciting time, not only at city, but, but in, in school systems, I think college systems, you know, all over the country. In a few days, we're going to have uh, Congressman uh, John Lewis at our commencement ceremony. And, and I, yeah, I used to, when I was teaching more than I do now, one of the classes I taught was the social movements class. And there's an iconic moment in the history of activism it's centered on the civil rights movement when all of a sudden, instead of people talking about protests, your, you know, the, 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 the attack with the dogs in Birmingham, Alabama is on everybody's TV uh, set. You know, that, that ability of simultaneously to broadcast film of, of state repression did a great deal to change the conversation. And so I imagine there, you know, thinking about someone who curates the moving image in an act, you know, at a moment of activism. I mean, it must have been a really um, a moment when the horizons of what you could do in film and how it related to political change were were were, were changing in an almost revolutionary way. Did did you feel that at the time? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think that that you know there was a whole cadre of, of people who who were going to film school and starting to make films uh, when I when I started. No, and a lot of those were, you know, were people of color, and and we were making films. I mean, because we hadn't had the chance before, you know, and 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 the the first films that came out were the black exploitation films, which you know were about mm -hmm. pimps and hustlers and prostitutes, and you know our idea was that there was something else that could be done with film, and that film was this important tool to get you know our message across, which could be just you know our, who we were, our culture, you know, uh, reinforce. Uh, who we are to each other. Um, it could be, you know, 
uh, blatant revolutionary, but but that film could really um, be used as, as a tool. Um, and there was an excitement about making films. I think, you know, the 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 revolution that 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 we talk about in the '60s, you know, I think really didn't kind of uh, filter down to the general public in, until the early '70s, until the the, the early and mid '70s were really mm-hmm. a really a powerful time. Yeah, yeah. This is a little bit of a, I guess, a chicken and the egg question, but you know, you. You were obviously attracted to the film school because you had a story to tell. But the film school at the time was also, you know, teaching cinematic techniques in in ways that I gather were a little bit different. That there, that that it it was a kind of place that that shaped a particular kind of voice. And so, do you think were you attracted to the City College Film School because? it had a special brand or was it simply, you know, you, you were this guy that wanted to make film and, 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 and here was this place where you could do it. At, and, and so you shaped the, what, I, what I'm asking is, did you shape the school or did the school shape you? And of course, um, when I say you, I'm talking about the whole kind of milieu of, of, of young activists at the time. You know, I, I guess yeah. it, it was a bit of both, but, you know, to, to be mm-hmm. perfectly honest, um, you know, I wanted to, to, to learn how to make films. And yeah. and I had, I heard that City College was kind of restarting their film school, um, yeah. and so in my class at the Leonard Davis Center, the film department, there were six students, and I mm-hmm. think there were four full time professors, and we wow. took film classes all day. So so the deal was that we were supposed to be through with all all our um, what do you call it you know uh, our credits and and and, mm-hmm. and really and we just had electives left. And so we took film classes all day, every day, and made films for two years straight. Wow. And that, that's what we did. Um, I think that, you know, I, I knew that there had been a, a film school uh, early on at City College in the 40s, but I didn't know that much about it. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I wanted to make films. And I think that one of the things that, that, that City College gave me, you know, is, is a real grounding in filmmaking. You know, so mm-hmm. that I look at myself as a filmmaker um, first, and then kind of a journalist or an activist, you know, second and third. The Emmett Till documentary that you did, um, it, I mean, it just jumps off the page, the effect that that had um, jump-starting a, a, a Justice Department re-examination of that, of that case. Um, can you talk about what what the effect of, of that that film having made that film had on you and your career yeah i mean i think that that that's really interesting because we when i made the film you know i i, I was really making a historical film you know it was about mm-hmm. Emmett Till that that we all knew you know african americans at least all knew the story from uh you know jet magazine which published the, the mm-hmm. pictures of, of Emmett Till's battered body and then every year i think they still do uh, or still did, and you know they might have stopped publishing now, but but they published the the photographs of him until his body, and so we everybody you know, had seen those, and, and so I, I was making a historical film, and and our first screen, the first time we ever screened the film was at the Schomburg, you know, uh, Schomburg Library in, in Harlem, and and uh, you know people just were incensed after they saw the film, and they were like, you know, let's yeah. let's go down, let's march down to 
to you know to Mississippi and burn the courthouse down, you know, and and so <laughs> right. we we wanted to try to take that energy and, and use it in, in some kind of progressive way, and so at, you know what we did was we made up postcards that were that were uh, uh, addressed to the attorney general in Mississippi, and uh, we'd mm-hmm. give those out in, in all our screenings and tell people they could take them home and mail them or fill them out right there, you know, at, at, at the theater, and, and we'll take the, the cards and we'll mail them in for you. And we ended up mailing in about 10,000 cards. Wow. Um, and, you know, that was one of the, the reasons why the case was, was reopened. Um, you know, but, but I learned, you know, the power, you know, the power of film and that, you know, film can can do more than just be, you know, something up there on on screen and people see it and they they go to, uh, you know, eat a hamburger afterwards or something. But it can be mm-hmm. something that, that that's far more powerful than that. And one of the things we've tried to do at Firelight, which is our company, is is to really concentrate on what we call impact and in, in, in getting the film out there, getting the film out there to a, a multi-ethnic uh, audience and, and, and getting people to respond in, in some kind of positive way. Can you talk a little bit more about uh, Firelight Media? It's a, it's a, it's a really interesting um, undertaking. It's something that you did, uh, I gather, fairly early in your career. You started thinking about how you're going to cultivate a new generation of filmmakers and, and, and make sure their, their films get out there. Um, what's been most important to you about that? Yeah, well, I, I, you know, we we have two two divisions of Firelight. It's Firelight Films, and Firelight Films is kind of the the for for profit company that that you know produces the films, and then we have Firelight Media, which is non profit, and we run uh, a couple of what we call labs. We, the main thing that we do is the is the documentary lab that we run for for documentary filmmakers. We have I don't know about fifteen people or so, twenty fifteen to twenty uh, filmmakers at any one time that we're working with and providing mentorship with. Um, and um, you know, if anybody wants information, if you just go to firelightmedia.org and mm-hmm. the documentary lab, you can find out information on what it is that that we do. Um, you know, and it's just been incredibly successful. Uh, we had uh, three films at Sundance Film Festival this year. One film won a special jury prize. One of our graduates with with her second film was at at Sundance, and she won two awards at, at Sundance this year. You know, um, we've had eighty different uh, films that have come out of out of the lab uh, over the years, and so um, you know, this is our—we're celebrating our tenth year of the lab and twentieth year of of, uh, of Firelight Media uh, this year. Uh, you know, I think part, a lot of it came out of that time that we were talking about when I went to film school. You know, where there were where there were film schools that you could go to that were free, where there were programs. You know, WNET Channel Thirteen—they had a program. Other TV stations had a program. There were other programs that were federally subsidized or state subsidized, you know, to get people into the media. But most of those things have disappeared, you know, as as we've this country's gotten more and more conservative. And and one of the things we wanted to do at, at Firelight was was how do we replicate some of those things that help uh, people of color, you know, uh, break into the the film industry because we still need we still need people's voices. We still need you know varied voices out there um, in TV and in film. Yeah, but the difference, of course, is you have to do this on a on a commercial basis. If, if it's not going to be funded by grants, you're you're you know you need to sort of seriously to cultivate an audience. And so I guess my question is, how is, is that tough sledding, or is there is there a broadening audience for the kind of uh, documentary work that you do? I mean, looking over the the kind of the 
the longer arc of your career. Are, are these mean, are these easier times? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think for me they're they're easier times, you know, because I've <laughs> I've gotten a, a track record, and you know, and, and so so mm-hmm. so you know, my mission is to you know once my because my foot is kind of stuck in the door. My mission is to keep my foot in the door so some other people can get in. You know, that, yeah. that's that's what we're trying to do, and we found that there's a lot of great talented talented people out there. But one of the you know one of the great lessons for me was when I was at City, I was in film school, and, and we started this organization called Obia, which was a, a a organization of 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 black filmmakers from different film schools. I don't think anybody's ever tried anything like it. So we had people, we had filmmakers from the New School, we had filmmakers from NYU. I think we had one from Columbia. Uh, a couple of other places, oh, Brooklyn College, and we were, you know, kind of this organization of, of black film uh, film students from different places, and and we wanted we put on a film festival, uh, we put on a, a film festival with, uh, you know, uh, I think our first night was Simbene, you know, the African filmmaker, and we put in, <laughs> and it was a blizzard, you know, it was a <laughs> blizzard, and 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 we did everything we could as young students to advertise it, you know. We put posters up all over the city. We appeared on, you know, WBAI or wherever we could for free. And that first night in the blizzard, we sold out. Wow. And and our lesson, my lesson, our lesson was, you know, if you let people know, you know, you know, you know, you know, nobody, nobody consumes media like black people. I mean, and that's, that's a, that's a, that's a fact, you know, maybe we'll mm-hmm. consume more media than anybody else per capita. That's what we do. And so, you know, we, we, we realized that, that if you let people know, they want to see things. They want to see stories about themselves. And that's been kind of in the back of my mind, something that, that's driven me all these years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you said that from, from early on at, at, at Firelight, you, you focused on getting the films out as, as much as helping people get the films made. Um, this year, you released uh, Boss. The black experience in business, and you know it's another one of those those, those moments where you you know, you you've got uh, Robert F. Smith on the Boss documentary talking about what it's like to be a black person succeeding in business, and then you turn around and he's uh, paying off the debts of everybody in the graduating class of, of, of Morehouse. And so there you are with with, yeah. with another person right at the right moment. What was, what was it like to work with him and 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 also to tell the story of the Freedmen's Bank in that film? Well, it, it was. I mean, it was a great opportunity, and and I should say that 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 film is is probably still online at pbs.org. You just go to pbs.org and type in Boss, and you can see it for free. Um, great. You know, but but to to work with with Robert and 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 the other people was just incredible. You know, I mean, one of the things that that I found that that I had never kind of thought through before was that some of the most radical. And you know, um, and I want to say black. You know, the blackest black people that that you mm-hmm. run into were people who are really successful in business. Yeah, you know? like the yeah. people who wear suit and ties, and you think, oh, that's some corny guy. You know, mm-hmm. these people have all spent you know so much of their lives in rooms where they're the only black person. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so they know the deal. You know, and they yeah. know the deal, and so many of them are doing what they can to change things and 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 and, and help you know raise some other people up. Um, but I was I was really surprised at that because you know you could look at those people and say ah you know 
whatever, you know, whatever we say when we see them. But um, right, right. no, they're, you know, they, 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 day to day, every day, they put on that suit and tie, and a lot of them mm-hmm. go into into these rooms where they're the only black person in the room. Uh-huh. Yeah, really he has about, about that are the same as uh, as yours and mine. Yeah, he he has a quote. Uh, that was just circulating on Twitter after the Morehouse speech that says essentially that when I see a successful black businessman, I see somebody who has who has been struggling, uh, you know, not somebody who's been coasting his whole life, and and, and it it makes perfect sense. Right. I, mean, um, I think that that's something that 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 I I truly believe, and I've seen it proven out over and over again. When you see a successful black person in anything, in mm-hmm. anything. They are ultra competent mm-hmm. <laughs> to get there. Yeah. You know, yeah. Nobody's coasting. They didn't get there by, right. by you know, somebody saying, oh, let's give this black guy a chance. You know, right. They might have got in the, in the door, but then they, they had to constantly, every day, every day prove it. Yeah. What was it like to uh, get the award from President Obama? It was marvelous. <laughs> it was great. It was. I mean, it was. It was the most unbelievable day. And and look, it was so great that it was. You know, Obama. You know, giving it. I, I don't know. You know, what would have happened. You know, at this point. Uh, you know, um, but it was so great to get to get it and and to get it from Obama. And one of the things that was great, you know, I got the National Humanities Medal. And there's, I think, you know, maybe eight people, ten, who get it at the same time. Um, yeah. And they kind of make a day, you know. They 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 it, they so well understand who you are, you know. So they're like invite whoever, you, invite whoever in your family you want, as many of your family members, you know. You kind of come and and you walk around the White House, and you know. Then you then they give you the medal. Then you take some pictures, and then the rest of the next few hours, they just have this kind of thing where you can walk around the White House, and you know the the Marine Band is playing, and they got all this food and. You know, it's just a great day for for you know for not only for me but for my family. It was it it was just you know like it was it was like a dream. Mm-hmm. So you have the Miles Davis film um, that you're working on now, and and I imagine it's coming out um, pretty soon. Um, so I want to you know, give you a chance to talk a little bit about that. But then, if there are events that that you are um, you know in line with making sure that we're doing all we can to promote. Um, your work of black cinema. If there's events that you'd like to to invite people to, so um, yeah, tell yeah, us a little bit yeah, about yeah. the Miles Davis profile. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to. So, so uh, you know, we actually finished the film and it premiered at, at Sundance uh, this last January, and it's doing festivals and it's called Miles Davis: Birth of the Cool. It's a biography mm-hmm. of Miles. It's done with the complete cooperation of Miles' family and and Sony Music and Wayne Shorter and Herbie Hancock and Ron Carter wow. and you know, so many others are in the film. Jimmy Cobb. Uh, it's just, it's an incredible uh, look at Miles. I, you know, I, 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 I really am, am really happy with it. It should be out in theaters in, in New York in, in September of this year. So please look for it. Come see it, everybody. Um, we're really proud of the film. And, and we found, you know, new footage and, and other stuff that, of Miles that people have never seen, pictures that people have never seen. Uh, it, it's just a, a great look at, at Miles Davis. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that, that we're doing is, is we have a thing called Films by Firelight that we're, we're, we're presenting around Harlem. Um, and uh, I, I don't remember the exact date, but if you go to firelightmedia.org 
you know, it should be there. Um, and we're, we're, uh, we have our next screening will be um, at the Schomburg. Um, okay. Uh, and and, and we're, we're doing that. We've done a number of screenings around Harlem for the community. They're they're all free. Um, mm-hmm. and we'll just continue to do that. Um, I should say, you know, that 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 firelight, you know, fire, firelight media, firelight films. Our office is, you know, three blocks from City College. And uh, oh. I actually live, you know, three blocks from City College. Also, uh, you know, I did uh, know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, uh, you know, I, and I was born on 148th Street and Riverside Drive. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, a lot of it's been an accident, but, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, I'm really a, a, a real member of this community. That's fantastic. Um, well, Stanley Nelson, it's it's been such a pleasure to talk with you. Um, you know, particularly because you're a City College graduate, but um, your contributions to film and, and to this conversation are just, uh, you know, just terrific. And it's been an honor to talk to you. And, and I hope we have you back soon. And, uh, you know, we got a theater. We got some movie screens on campus yeah, we as just, well. Yeah, we just, we just had a screening there a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I know, I know you did. Uh, that was kind of a soft opening, right? Yeah. Well, you know, any I look, I I owe I owe everything to, to City College, you know. So anything I could ever do for City, I mean, I I literally owe owe them, owe City College every single thing. So you know, anything I can ever do, I'd, I'd be glad to do for City. Be careful! Millions of people just heard you say that. Yeah. So well, um, I'm gonna I am I will understand it because it's true. <laughs> Okay, I'll follow up on you. Thank you so much for for spending time with us today. I, I, I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. That was my conversation with Stanley Nelson last night. Uh, really grateful that he made time for me. He's right now getting off a plane somewhere, and that's why he couldn't be with us in the studio today. Um, but I want to thank him for making time to talk to us. Um, thank you for listening to From City to the World. Um, and I also want to thank our in-studio guests, CCNY film professor Jerry Carlson and Dave Davidson. And, um, y- you know, I want to make sure that uh, the June 20th event, Cinema and Sanctuary, is on your radar. That will be at uh, Lincoln Center at the Walter Reed Theater. And a good way to buy tickets is if you simply Google the phrase Cinema and Sanctuary you will get an Eventbrite website. Tickets will be available at the box office if you go there. But um, make plans to come see it because you'll, you'll be seeing a, a, a truly special uh, production of a priceless moment in CCNY's history, but also in the history of film. This show is produced by Angela Harden and yours truly, Vince Boudreaux. And I'm your host. Uh, Vince Boudreaux, president of City College of New York, and you've been listening to From City to the World. Bye, everybody.